0: Everybody and welcome to the In Contention podcast. My name is Ruben Bressler, and I am joined by the delectable duo of Joey Pascoe <laughs> Hey guys, and Matt Cranstuber. Good evening, delectable. How's it going? Yeah, delectable duo. I went for the alliteration and didn't really think about what the words meant. <laughs>
1: I'm doing delecti- delectably. Delectably?
2: Nice. Delectably, I like it. I'm delight- <laughs> delightfully, uh, delighted. I don't know. <laughs> that was an
1: awful alliteration.
0: Just use the same word twice. Awful alliteration is also an excellent choice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're recording on a slightly different schedule this week, um, because of, uh, our schedules allowed us to actually record on a weekend this time. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. Which we haven't really done since, what, the World Cup?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's- been a long time.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, this is—it's a little bit different for us. So we don't have legacy results just yet. Uh, the legacy tournament in Las Vegas is still going on as we record this, but we do have standard results. We'll have lots to talk about. Hello.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to go into the plug there. I thought you
0: were going to plug. Sure. I think why we keep that in. That was pretty funny. It was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now now into the somewhat not really flawless segue. In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series, and this weekend, the Open Series comes to Indianapolis, Indiana, with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCGLive.com and catch Joey Pascoe, who's right here on this here podcast, Mm. Shaheen Sarani and Glenn Jones in the sideboard bringing you all the action. The Twitter hashtag for this event is #SCGIndy, so you can use that to join in on the discussion. If you can't make it out, you can either go to the Classic Series in South Carolina this weekend, that's hashtag SCGSC, or check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to StarCityGames.com's Open Series page for a complete listing of events, including the Classic Series. At starcitygames.com slash S C G O P and now very exciting news In Contention has our own RSS feed. Go to Incontention, one word, dot Libson. That's L I B S Y N dot com slash RSS. That's Libsyn dot com slash RSS to subscribe to our RSS feed. Yeah, that's a that's been a been a long time coming. We've
2: getting uh, we've been getting a lot of requests for that, and uh, it's something we wanted to.
0: A lot of hate definitely. mail. Yeah, pretty much. Like, what's going on, guys? Your episodes are you know, <laughs> not like. Why can't I subscribe on iTunes? And... You just want more in contention. Yeah, and we're giving it to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you get your in contention through the MTGCast network, we will still continue to submit them there. But if you want the show when it comes out, subscribe to our LiveSend feed yes yes so because so the the MTG cast feed uh can be two minutes behind when we send it in or two weeks behind or whatever it's we're kind of <laughs> on their schedule
0: to deal with um like we, we don't blame them at all but you know they have a lot more podcasts to deal with than our own personal feed exactly right. we have one podcast to deal with exactly unless you start yeah. putting joya cubing on there i don't want to say that you have yeah, to yeah,
1: yeah no I, I i am i actually might get this live scene no actually no i take that back uh, Adam uh, Adam Saborsky set up a feed for that so we're all set on that end actually but, but that's not that's neither here nor there let me let me talk some hashtags here because we got sure. some fun stuff to talk about this week so of course scG Vegas happened this past weekend so we got some standard results to talk about then we have GP yeah okay
0: yeah okay uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is uh, GP Yokohama which uh, these one of the largest tournaments of all time in the wake of uh, GP Charlotte, which is pretty exciting, and a uh, uh, sub-hashtag under that, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Ishida, a player who recently passed away, and uh, how they memorialized him at that tournament, and uh, then we're going to talk about PTQ Madness, and that's specifically in, uh, we're going to talk about Modern, we're going to talk about some of the decks we've been seeing, we've all been kind of grinding uh, decks here and there, and uh, watching the format unfold, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh then there's a couple of small subtopics, Pillargate being among them, which is this yeah. funny photo bug that's been going around. Define and, funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. So it may have made zombies good for a week. Yep. So they have. Yep. <laughs> pretty sure it did
0: make zombies insane for a week.
1: So let's start at the top. Actually you, it- you
2: forgot hashtag crannies back.
1: Oh, I, I didn't even see that. Yeah, but, I, yeah. but I'm back, guys.
0: I'm Cranny's
2: back, back, just in case you guys <laughs> didn't notice.
1: I think, I think that they
0: could have gotten that one without the hashtag. But oh, okay. Well, it's fine.
1: Still go over it. Singing, telegram, and a cake. I need some more uh, fanfare. Yes. That's official. so.
0: Special theme music. I'll just make it louder this week. Don't overstate it, Cranny. Okay, fine. <laughs> we proved last week we could do this without you.
1: Now, I did listen to last week's show, so I, I, uh, there, there were some, some comments that I'm not happy about. And we're, this show, we're going to spend uh, talking about where I was not happy with last week's show. So Okay. You guys ready? No. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> let's go. go. Uh, but, but really, though, uh, for Standard, and you guys talked about the Standard decks last week, and basically the comment was that uh, even when it was just Return of Ravnica plus Sinistrat block, that the format was just constantly evolving. And uh, I think we're continuing to see that today, uh, especially as it's reflected. And if you look at the top decks from Vegas and, and really, you know, recent motor results and, and um, you know, or if you just hop in the queues or go play an FNM, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing how much diversity that gate crash adds to the mix. Um, of course, it kind of like slowly pitted in, I think. Uh, you know, G- Boris Reckoner sort of, cast a big shadow over the rest of the set and, and made some other otherwise interesting cards not feel so powerful. And, uh, and I think we're kind of finally starting to see, you know, uh, some cards like experiment one quickly becoming a mainstay, not just in standard, but also in modern, you know, uh, if you have, and we'll talk more about the red, green modern deck that won a PTQ and has been very popular lately. And, uh, so yeah, so let's talk about these these top eight lists, and uh, did you guys get a, ch- a chance to check these out yet?
2: A little bit, yeah. It looks like uh, a Blue, White, Red Flash is uh, kind of making some, some waves uh, at the top of the I list. was
0: just going to say that, yeah, that we have, boy, five in the top 16, including the winner, three in the top eight. Uh seems like a lot of people read Jerry Thompson's article. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Jerry said
2: something in his article that he felt like, you know, Blue White Red Flash is is the best deck in standard and I think there was a little bit of uh a little bit of kind of back and forth on Twitter where I think it was, it was V, wasn't it, that said uh, you know, that Jerry's biased or something towards yeah. that deck and Jerry says, "Well, whenever I'm playing that deck, I don't lose." And right. whenever I'm playing a different deck, that's the deck I keep losing to. Sure.
1: Uh, makes sense. I guess you want to be results-oriented. That's fine. Sure. I mean, <laughs> it... <laughs> so, I, mean I, I definitely have some commentary on that because, you know, while you know, we'll talk about the variety of this top 16, the weirdest part of seeing this top 16 decks in this tournament is there's no Esper. And to yeah. me, that's, like, insane because I think that Esper is... 10 times the deck, the blue-white-red deck is. Like, I expected there to be two to three copies of this deck based on how good it is. Um, but I It's just, uh, and I'm talking about the Stark build, uh, except his his team wasn't doing the full four Nefalia. They were doing three Nefalia Drown Yard plus a Ghost Quarter, and, and I've opted to run that just to beat uh, the... Kessick Wolf run, run decks, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems to be fine. It also wins the Drownyard Mirror, and uh, I just I think that that deck has a really good matchup against the flash decks, like the blue right, white red decks, because they can't put a reasonable clock on you when you have things like Ultimate Price and Devour Flesh, and uh, and you can stabilize like pretty pretty consistently before they're able to kill you. Now they can Harvest Pyre draw you or Blasphemous Act draw you. Like those are definitely uh, the big gaps. But otherwise, like I haven't had any trouble playing against those decks. Yeah, so, I mean, you.
2: like I, I feel like that was you know, obviously it's it's the deck that I, I've mentioned it in past episodes as being the deck that I feel like is is strong post gate crash. Uh and we saw that kind of come to fruition at the Pro Tour with Stark and Chapin and Guillaume Wafotaba also uh played a similar list where they weren't on they had detention spheres instead of um instead of planar cleansing but it was pretty much uh that was the major difference otherwise it was a very similar kind of deck um and yeah it I, i'm totally with you granny i'm surprised not to see it i don't know if it's a matter of just n- not as many people showed up with it and the ones that did just got you know uh it got weeded out by the time the top 16 came around or what um I don't really have a good explanation for it uh, you know just looking at the
0: the list can I that we have can here. I, I, your... I want to have a quick aside with my audience sure all right audience this is just me and you talking right now what cranny and Joey don't know is that I don't like cryptic command nearly as much as they do um and the deck that I want to turn your attention to is 15th place red white aggro you seen this thing guys <laughs> Shouldn't this be called Boros Agro? It's called Boros... Yeah, it's Boros Agro. This is the exact opposite of what you guys are trying to do with the game. It, it, right? does, it
2: does appear that
0: way. <laughs> Phillips
2: is- uh Manabat. Manabat. hell of a last name. Yeah. Nice.
0: I would first <laughs> nice. pick that last name not knowing what that card did. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's a mana bat. It's like... Yes. It's, How could it be bad? It's some kind of combination of uh, extort and death rate right shaman. Uh, yeah. Like,
1: so <laughs> so the word is out that Battalion is a real mechanic. Yep. And, uh, you know, we kind, of, we kind of... I don't want to say we predicted it, but, I mean, when we were reviewing the spoiler, like, to me, Battalion is one that I think is probably the best mechanic out of all of them. And I think that they were... I, I thought that they were maybe being a little bit overly like kind of pushing it over the edge like when you look at like Waldrick uh Hubbarders or whatever yeah. is a 3 2 for 2 mana um with battalion on it like that 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 they were kind of maybe pushing that a little bit too far and i think now we finally see a deck that is a battalion deck so well,
0: uh, he only has one battalion card in it
1: no yes he, has, he, he has, has two boros elite and uh, uh oh Hubbard. he does have
0: boros elite you're right you're right
1: and of course, a lot of people are playing uh, frontline medic, and that card right, is a fair. beating. Frontline medic is a very good card. So does this
2: I, so, kind of feel like you know somebody was like, "Wow, so Naya Blitz is a thing? I don't want to play green, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm uh, huh. I'm I'm just gonna build the Boros version because you know it the the. It's not not as if people weren't already doing this, but you know, you see Lightning Mauler in there. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of it certainly feels that way. Yeah, it's right along those same lines.
1: So I, I'm just going to go through this deck because I'm sure no one knows about this deck. I'm just going to go top to bottom and talk about what's in this list real quick because this is this is pretty cool. So he has four Boros Elite, four Champion of the Pairs, three Kessick Malcontents. I'll tell you. What Feel that free is. to that's, go look that up. Yeah, yeah. Two, two in a red for a three-one, and when enters the battlefield, you deal damage to a target player equal number of humans you control. Uh, then going down the list, Cruin Striker, which um, when another creature moves exactly. the battlefield, it gets plus one, plus one, trample. This guy's actually on my watch list for Cube because he can potentially kind of make himself unblockable with equipment. It's kind of kind of nice. But uh, they have Lightning Mauler, obviously amazing in this kind of deck, Silverblade Paladin. And then the Wojek Halberdiers, I guess is probably how you pronounce that, yep. the 3-2 battalion that when he attacks, um, he gets First Strike, which is nice. And then the, the lands, then you has the full four Bonds of Faith.
0: I played Bonds of Faith uh, the first in, in the blue-white aggro human thing right after Return to Ravnica came out, and I was using it mostly because people were not playing Restoration Angels to back up their Thrag Tusks. And this is a good way to deal with Thrag Tusks if people are not playing Restoration Angels.
1: I mean, and if you're playing That's- a list that has four Silverblade Paladin, this well, card- sure you know, presents a, a very real clock. Yeah. You know, and if you play, you know, Hobbard Ears on turn two, and then on turn three, you, you know, you just have, like, a, a one drop or whatever, and then Bonds of Faith, like, that's that's a five, you know, a five-power guy attacking on turn three. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Plus, I mean, what in the format really deals with that reasonably besides, you know, cards like Dread War and Abrupt Decay, which, you know, isn't really getting a lot of play. Um, and you can't you can't ultimate price this guy, and realistically, you're not going to devour, flush this guy. So the best you're going to be able to do is wrath him away. So, yeah, I
0: mean the only other kill spell that's even near the top is is murder.
1: And it, um, I mean, murder's murder's reasonable. It's getting play, uh, you know. Yeah,
0: man, murder's a magic card, but you know, you look at the rest of these. I see what you're saying. Most people are put searing spears, uh, tragic slip, and brimstone volley. I guess can take care of them, but only after it's already dealt first strike damage. By which point, your guy is already dead. And,
1: I mean, I, th- I think the real power of this deck are the last eight spells in it, which yeah. are, yeah. you know, Gather the Townsfolk and Thatcher Revolt. If Thatcher Revolt puts three 1-1s uh, with haste, and you have to sacrifice them. And, you know, of course, those That being would be red
0: w- 1-1s with haste. Shout-out to Brian Kibler, finally gets to use his tokens. <laughs>
1: nice, <laughs> nice. So, with, you know, the Strikers, Champion of the Parish, and um, the, you know, obviously any of the guys that have... Battalion on them you know that's very good Korean striker can obviously deal a ton of damage in a, a very quick amount of time if you just kind of sandbag him until you run out of a uh, or revolt you can deal a lot of damage and uh so it, I, I mean this list is very cool i mean i'm i'm gonna say I'm not happy that my esper uh deck was interrupted with this red white deck but uh <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think this is this is a cool deck, and uh, good job to Mister Mana Bat the Third.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's not how to it pronounce up. it, but that's how we're going to pronounce it.
1: Uh, uh, mana battery, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's Mana There
1: you go. Whoa, I would totally get some like green mana batteries signed by this guy. <laughs> <laughs> or no, like red and white mana battery. <laughs> All right, let's
0: let's focus on this winning deck again.
2: Well, first, first, like, oh, sorry. I, I just wanted to chime in on this red, red, right? Uh, oh, sure, Boros sorry, Agro deck. Uh, This deck is just so much about synergy. Like, that's what's impressive to me, that, you know, Boros Elite is, like, the most boring card in the deck. And it's like, well, it's a 3-3, really, for one. Um, (laughs) But otherwise, you know, you've got all these synergies with, obviously, humans. This is really just, like, Boros humans, I guess. Um, Every card is very synergistic with with Gather the Townsfolk and Thatcher, Revolt among, you know, the, the rest of them, I guess. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just very impressed with this list and how kind of streamlined it is.
1: So it's weird to not see Boros charm. I mean, I, I get that, you know, every card counts in a list like this. Like if you're not triggering battalion, you just don't want those dead cards in your hand. But, uh, I would expect, you know, like, I feel like the pithy needles in the cyborg could just be charms because they're so good against protecting against wrath and bonfire and uh and just basically sealing the deal. If you randomly have just a giant current striker and you don't have a silver blade paladin out, you could just take the game that way. So that's kinda kinda my only complaint about the deck, I think.
2: Yeah, removal seems really like uh, lackluster against this deck, I think. Uh, mm. Just because, like, really, do I have to... Even if I'm spending, like, Devour Flesh, which only costs two, it's like, Yeah, well. even
0: if we're abrupt decaying the Wojek Halberdiers that has a Bonds of Faith on it, like we were saying, was the best answer to that scenario, you still don't really feel very good about it, because they went turn one champion or Boros Elite. Yeah. They played something else on turn three alongside their, you know enchantment on their guys. They've probably got Boros Elite Champion in play. Next turn, they're just going to untap and play either Gather or Thatcher's or and still attack you for a million.
2: Yeah, it's it's like you're going to go... Even even when you get the X for one, when you're like, alright, turn 4 Supreme Verdict, they're like, okay, uh, play my 4th land, <laughs> empty my hand. Yep. <laughs> you know, just, I'll just play all the rest I of the I particularly
0: game. like these Legion Loyalists in the sideboard. And I think I know exactly what they're for. Uh, they are... Literally, they they don't care about the First Strike uh, line. They don't care about the Trample line. It's the can't-be-blocked-by-creature-tokens line.
1: Yeah, right, right. Which is awesome. Yeah, obviously, you know, the Aristocrats is a, is a huge deck. Lingering Souls is always going to be a presence in the format until it rotates. So I, that card seems fine.
2: Yeah. Lingering Souls not really seeing play in the Esper control list that, that we have mentioned, though. Kind of no. interesting uh, little side note there.
1: You know, it's it's funny, the Esper deck, to kind of go back to that, it, the tech at the Pro Tour was to place. is it Psychic Surgery, the five-minute instant? Oh, Psychic,
0: Psychic Spiral. Spiral. Yeah.
1: Psychic Spiral. I'm sure Psychic Surgery is a card. but <laughs> Psychic I, I Surgery don't. is a card, I can tell <laughs> okay. you what it does if you want. I'd like to know what it does.
0: The color of a blue enchantment from New Phyrexia. What? Whenever a player, whenever an opponent <laughs> shuffles their library, you can look at the top okay. two cards and RFG one of them. It's a rare, right. too, yeah. Nice. It's a rare. That is funny.
1: Uh, but Psychic like right. Spiral. Psychic yeah. Spiral. So, you know, the tech was that the control decks would play Psychic Spiral to basically blow out the decks that are bringing in Jace's um, memory Adept to, to do the mill plan and to just win the mirror uh, against the other um the Fally Drone Yard decks. And it's gotten to the point now where I've played against multiple Flash opponents. So red, white, blue, flash that have that card in the main deck. So that I that again, I just wanted to kind of point out that seeing so much red, white, blue, flash means that if you expect this kind of metagame, like I would just definitely be taking Esper because I just think that you're so much better positioned to deal with that that kind of strategy to the point where they're they're like hedging against that. So um, I just uh, I thought that that was kind of funny. I, I w- was playing in a in a few events and randomly had like I was kind of on, my, on milling my opponent and then the end of turn snapcaster. Played that when I, I was totally not expecting it. I'm like, uh, what game am I in? Did I just lose the match? Right. So they're, <laughs>
2: they're basically uh, so concerned with the Esper matchup that they're pre sideboarding against, against.
1: Yeah, I mean, because think that card does just absolutely nothing against any other deck, right? Because, you know, if you're playing against the Mirror, like realistically, that's not a good card um, unless you're in sideboarded games, right? So it's it's only there for Esper.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. So uh, not in the in the first place deck. I don't see it. I didn't poke around at the other or I didn't notice it when poking around in the other No, deck. I didn't
1: I didn't actually see it in any of the lists uh that, that did well in the tournaments, you know, unless it was in a sideboard. But um, Yeah, but uh, to to kind of like you know, take us back, talk about sort of the overarching environment that we see unfolding in front of us, you know that the mix of these decks in the in the top sixteen is is pretty good. And um, I'm actually kind of surprised that we're s- still not seeing a lot of Simic presence. So I-, I was really expecting there to be more Prime Speaker Zaganas, more of, uh, you know, Melissa de clone decks that sort of come in and say, okay, you did this pretty good. I want to try to innovate on this. But um, that- that's kind of like my only area where I think... It's um, funny
0: you should mention Prime Speaker Zagana. Hmm. Uh, I have just linked you boys, and we will put this link in the show notes as well, to Andrew Shrout's first place list from Louisville, the classic. This is just uh, today, it,
2: right?
0: Yeah. Uh, no, that was yesterday, I believe. Okay. Was it today? Today's the third. <laughs> it's Look either today this. or yesterday. Okay. I, believe the, event was, I th- believe the event was yesterday. Okay. Um, It is Prime Speaker Bant. Oh, nice. And we were talking, I mean, everybody really was talking about how well... Prime Speaker Zagana goes with Thrag, Tusk, and Restoration Angel. Yeah. In particular. Mm-hmm. What what Andrew's done here with this deck is just sort of taken that to the nth degree. So he's just put all of the rest of the cards to make Prime Speaker Zagana as good as it possibly can be together. So not only do we have four Farseeks, we also have four Arbre Elves and four Abyssins Pilgrims.
1: I think that's right? the most important part of the deck. When you're not playing cards that actually you know affect the board in any reasonable way. Right, you know, you're not drawing counterspells and removal and that kind of stuff. You're just, bleh, you know, just dumping your hand.
0: So, what's the best? What's another? What are some other? What's the best strategy to surround your Prime Speaker Zagon Restoration angel Angel Tusk plan? Well, turns out the control plan isn't as good as sort of the mid rangey aggressive plan. So, what Andrew did was he put in Loxodon Smiters and Strangleroot Geists, which are very good at just holding down the fort for a turn or two and even putting pressure themselves on opponents. Right. Both yeah. those cards play good offense and good defense. Wow, on, this deck looks just Then ridiculous. on special teams, we have three Garrick Primal Hunter and one Garrick Relentless. So because this deck is not running Sphinx's Revelation, I repeat, this Bant deck is not running <laughs> Sphinx's Revelation. Instead, we have our Sphinx's Revelation clones in Prime Speaker Zagana and Garrick Primal Hunter.
1: Which this, I think he- is
2: awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, this, think, I think it works out fine.
1: I and, and it's worth noting the land, um, you know, tr- pretty traditional Bantlands, lands, but three copies of Gavyny Township. Yes. So that's. I mean, this will be able looks. to
0: make your uh, to make your um, uh, prime speakers even better later on in the game. It also makes your Restoration Angels and Angel of Serenity at the top end basically one hit kills all by themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess my. Uh, my prayer was answered and we have a neat prime speaker second Attack.
0: <laughs> I would definitely go take a look at this one. It looks awesome. Oh, yeah. and in second place, Jack Fogel, who uh you might recognize the name. He won the Legacy Open in Los Angeles at the Invitational. He also won one of the uh Draft Opens in Los Angeles. He won two of the five tournaments at the Invitational in in Los Angeles. Uh he's playing an Esper control list. Um Augur, so, Bolas, Restoration Angel, Snapcaster Mage, uh fairly um, normal list. This version, of course, being the Planner Cleansing list. So this this metagame might be more to your guys' liking than the one that was at the Open series. Hmm.
1: wonder why it was so different. I mean, because this really is kind of a 360, uh, again, and it kind of attests to how flexible, I think, that this this these particular sets are, this particular pool of cards is to sort of, you know, innovate and, and, and build on.
0: Yeah. But, uh, blue, white, red flash in the top 16 of this tournament. Right, right.
1: Quite a difference. I'm actually just really, there's one thing that I've been really happy about, and I hope that this does not change anytime soon is that the, basically the Van Hexproof deck has fallen off everybody's radar. Yeah. I, I I think that that is one of the most miserable decks that has ever been (laughs) in standard that, that isn't a winning deck. Like if that was the deck that you know was the deck to beat you know the fairies or the jun, I think that you'd probably probably see a bigger exodus from magic uh for at least playing standard for what that's worth than any of these other problem decks because that deck is just obnoxious <laughs>
0: I think that there's at least some sort of gentleman's agreement at this point not to uh, <laughs> that's what it is not to play that, although there are there is a much higher amount of Sphinx's Revelations. I'm sorry, not Sphinx's Revelations, Supreme Verdicts and Lilianas going around nowadays than there were when that deck came out. And John wasn't really a presence. So
1: well yeah in Devour Flesh, I think that's really Supreme Verdict is a card that is the glue that's holding this format together right now. And it's doing it's doing like double time. Not only is it just being the wrath of the format, which is obviously a very important thing to be when you don't have Day of Judgment, Wrath of God uh, so, so so, it's playing that role, but it's also playing not necessarily an anti-control measure, but it's keeping some of these, you know, the the Boros Reckoner decks that run counterspells. I think it's keeping those decks in check from not just being like, oh, I'll just play a Reckoner, leave two mana, play another Reckoner, leave two mana, play another Reckoner, leave two mana, you know, um, yeah. and, and just sort of be able to run their deck out. Now they, they really have to, you know, if you're playing against Esper, you're playing against, you know, a, a Bant deck. You can't just clog up the board. You really got to be a lot more, um, not timid, I don't know what the word is, a lot more... Careful.
0: Uh, Play Baxter Magic.
1: Yes, yes, exactly.
0: So, uh, if you really want entertaining decks, man, boy, the Classic Series is your place. Look at the 14th place, Mike Wisner. This is Rug Delver. In standard, <laughs> it's called rug Midrange, but yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're calling Delver. it mug rug mid range. Yeah, but there are four Delver of secrets in it. It's rug Delver. Uh, yeah. Alongside of Delver secrets are Huntmaster of the Fells, quirian Dryad, quirian Dryad, whatever, and Snapcaster Mage. Uh, in fact, every spell in the deck triggers Quirion Dryad, except for the one of Rune Chanters Pike. This basically looks like the the mat the uh, the spells that you would want if you were playing a rug. Delver deck back when it, when Delver was a good you know was really good because Ponder was in the metagame. The problem, of course, being that Ponder isn't in the metagame. So you know, how good is know. this deck? It only has twenty two things that trigger Delver secrets. I I, yeah. I don't know.
2: But yeah, this actually looks like kind of like fun until it's <coughs> all over the place, and then it's probably not. But it it looks like a lot of fun. It's strange how uh, how you know. Delver is really annoying until it disappears, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, cool, somebody's doing well with Delver?
0: Yeah, <laughs> what a weird niche magic card, a lot like Tomogoyf,
2: basically.
1: But I, now, I would actually play this. Well, did you see the Simic Charms? Those are kind of interesting yeah. to
0: see. It's the Simic Charms.
1: Now, obviously, that helps to sure up, you know, where your opponent's trying to win via Pillar of Flame. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I think the land count is like way low in this because I, I was really ex- looking in here to expect to see one Kessick run, just to you know ha- have something to do if you only have a, one guy on the board and, and no board presence. Because a lot of these cards are very just like one and done. Try to try to ride the ride the tempo to the end. But I I just think that it just you can't do it like you problem? could before.
0: Exactly. That's the problem. Is that before. You could afford to run twenty lands, and you could afford to run twenty spells because you had ponder. Yeah. But now you have you can't. It's just I, I I don't know how this deck. I feel like he had to get very very lucky. Yeah. With, this is with all of his Delver flips, like all of the time. I could just be not giving him enough credit. Like well, I literally have seen this deck for uh... now.
1: Okay, so you have three Think Trice, four Thoughtscar, 21 lands, and you expect to hit four mana for Huntmaster of the Fells reliably? I'm not buying that.
2: Well, see, that's the, that's the thing. You look, you're look, you looking right at Huntmaster. That's the top of the curve. That's the only forecasting cost spell in the deck. Everything else co- seems to cost one or two, except for, like, a couple of threes. We've got, like, a Counter Flux. Uh, is that it? <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Flashing back Think Twice? Is it
0: We three? have sonic well, it... Rift. Well, Snapcaster Mage is essentially a four essentially
1: drop. drop, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. And then if you want to reliably ha- be able to do anything with your, your seven charms or your Searing Spear without basically losing your creature drop for the turn, it's costs four mana. So, I mean, it t- to me, um, I-, I just fail to see where this deck is better than just playing, like, you know, the red, white, blue deck, for instance, which can actually just play, you know, a superior card to Huntmaster, which would just be a Boris Reckoner.
0: I um, think that I, if I was going to play this deck, the four drop that I would play would be Yeva Nature's Herald to be able to continue to play at instant speed.
1: Yeah, huh. but that's only going to that's only going to flash your dryads out because it's only green creatures.
0: Yeah, it's going to flash itself out. I mean, it's a four-four.
1: That's fine. You I keep I, I your counter that magic that's...
0: up and then flash in a four-four. I mean, yeah. that, it also Yeva's... doesn't
2: trigger Kyrian Dryad, by the way. Sorry, you know, just saying. <laughs> it's a little less synergy
1: there.
0: Yeah, that's true. So
1: I think this deck's a little bit greedy. Um, You know, cool that he got 14th place. But uh, I don't think this is where I want to be right now, you know, with the current environment. I think that your creatures are basically just going to get either outclassed by guys that are just going to first strike them, you know, kill them dead. Or you're just going to be playing against, you know, the control decks that just... They are very happy to be playing one-for-one magic because your counter magic isn't going to do anything... And you know, you really real realistically only have one hard counter for Sphinx's Revelations, and that's not a good place to be. Like I think this deck just loses to every Sphinx's Revelation deck, uh pen or barring, you know, some sort of nut, you know, turn one, delver, turn two, queer and dry, turn three, you know, trigger, trigger, trigger. Um I just very magical Christmas lane to me. But you
2: know, yeah, you make a good there point. You make a good point. Uh, you know, I, it is, it does seem uh, like it is. Gre- you said it was greedy. I think I can, I can agree with that. But I think that you're going to, I guess, find yourself in situations like it's built in a way that it seems like he's aware that he is not always going to hit his fourth land drop on turn four and be able to drop Huntmaster or play Snapcaster, you know, X, whatever spell. Uh, but I, I think it seems like he's just okay with that. Mm, <laughs> and right. I, don't, I don't know uh, how consistent it is winning when those situations come up. But it seems like that's something that he, he was obviously prepared enough for to, to end up in this you know, 14th place at the, the tournament. I think it's a fun-looking deck, but I, I I would play it more for fun than to win. Sure, sure. <laughs> or maybe as an experiment to see how greedy
1: it is. Experiment. Speaking of experiments, So experiment one, I think that this card is becoming probably my favorite creature in uh, in standard. Yeah. Mm. It, is, it is such an awesome creature. You playing um, it
2: in your Esper list?
1: No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm getting my face bashed by it quite a bit. Have you, know, you of regenerated course, it yet? I've seen it regenerate against me a lot when I cast Supreme Verdicts and, you know, hmm. my opponent's very resilient. Now, the reason that they're so resilient and the reason why I think uh, the kinds of decks that I think it's best in right now, I don't really care about the Red-Green Bruise, the uh, the Frolic Naya decks. I think those decks are just not that great right now. But uh you kind of see these green black uh, jund based aggro decks that have cards like Drag Mangler, lotless Troll, Strangle Root guys, they're extremely resilient to Wrath of God effects and bonfire effects. And like Drag Mangler is just that guy is a monster. So you can you can power up your Lotlith Trolls and you know, if you're running like Elves or Death Run or anything like that, they become you know, it's kind of an innocuous card. You don't really think about it. Oh, okay, take three, you know, Serum Spear that. And then, you know, turn seven, turn eight, you know, all of a sudden you're facing down a, a four or five Deathrite Shaman. You're like, oh, that, card's, that card was in there. <laughs> I didn't realize that. So yeah,
0: I, I think, you're, I think that, you're talking about the second place list from, uh, from the most recent open. That would be Evan Boritas.
1: Yeah, it's very similar to Lucas... Um, I uh, now I don't know his his last name from the Pro Tour. He was on John Dagger. He's one of the only undefeated Standard players, and uh, so so I I don't know if this list is is modeled off of that or not. But definitely, I think this is a a great place to be right now. So, Ruben, you want to rifle through the stats on that? that?
0: Yeah. Well, um, I think that one of the more impressive creatures from Gatecrash personally is Burning Tree emissary. Yep. And and that matches up well with your top pick for creature, uh, Experiment One. Um which are probably the second and third most powerful creatures after Boros Reckoner, honestly. So far mm-hmm. at least, from uh from the most recent set. This set this uh this deck has thirty one creatures, uh burning tree emissary, some Dreg manglers, experiment one, falcon wrath aristocrat, Hoof Boar, four Gore clan rampage, which doesn't really count as a creature, but Typically, is a spell. Sure. Two Hell Riders, yeah. uh, three Mog Flunkies, and three Rakdos Cackler. Yeah. Alongside yeah. two Abrupt Decay, two searing Spear, three dreadborn.
1: Have you guys played against many Gore Clan Rampagers yet? No. Uh, I'm that, kind of terrified. Uh, that card. I saw. Okay, so I was at a modern PTQ. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, I saw a lot of people die to Gore Clan Rampager this weekend.
0: Not shocked. Pretty yeah
2: good. I mean I was so unimpressed with blood rush as a as a you know keyword until I think we saw this card and it's obviously the uh, the, was, the flagship the flagship card of, uh, yeah that's yeah. The, the flagship blood rush card but I mean it's four four trample for four and maybe you just uh, use it as a pump spell so yeah I think I think you call that it. it's not really a creature but it can be when you need it to be
1: right I love it and I like, the reason I like this deck, I just think this, if you're looking for an experiment, you know, John deck or whatever, I think this one's really well designed, really well balanced. It, the, you know, it's got a good mix of lands. It's also running basic lands. You know, Ghost Quarter is a real thing that you're going to have to play against. It's top end stops at Wrath Aristocrat. So it's, you know, it's playing a lot of, you know, mana hungry type card. Oh, I guess Hellrider as well. Mana hungry cards but it doesn't kind of go over the top to try to just cram a bunch of stuff in to just get lucky in a Burning Tremissary draw. So I think that this is just really well balanced, um, a good place to, to really be, I think, in this format. Not to mention, it's playing all of the cards that I just think are you know the cards that I love. And it's playing a card that is very near and dear to my heart, which is Mog Flunkies, which I played you know 10 years ago, maybe even more than that. Um, I
0: think it was more I- than that. I think it was because when I, I started playing Magic... When I was twelve, about three weeks after Exodus came out. And that's the last time Mog Flunkies was legal, right? Well,
1: it was legal and extended. I never I didn't play him oh, in, sure. in standard. So it would have been yeah, it would have been about nineteen ninety five or so, ninety six. I have no idea. Yeah, or not not, a... not ninety five, two thousand five. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's twenty years ago. <laughs> 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 um so but anyway, I, I think this deck is uh is Probably exactly where I want to be if I'm not playing Esper for sure.
2: So uh, I had, I, I guess I just want to get, uh, want to get your guys' opinion on something. Um, I've identified lately. Some, I guess I kind of knew it for a while, but didn't really. Uh, really think too much about it. I've identified kind of a hole in my game. Let's call it, um, one of my, uh, fearless magical inventory. We'll say one, one point of it. And Shout that out is, to Sam. uh, yeah, exactly. Shout out to Sam Stott, whose birthday was the other day. Oh, yeah. happy birthday, buddy. We like that. Um, but I, shockingly, am not very good when it comes to creature combat because my inclination no. is to clear the board. That is <laughs> <laughs> that is what I do when there are too many creatures on board, but so I think what I I've made this kind of decision that I think I want to explore playing more creature oriented decks where I find myself in those kind of situations, obviously not against control decks, but you know, against other creature decks. Where would you guys what do you guys feel like is a is a good deck where you feel like you're in that kind of situation where you're going to kind of be dealing with, with a lot of combat math.
1: I got a, I got an answer for you, but it's not it's not one of your multiple-choice uh, answers. Okay. You should cube more.
0: Okay. That, that, I agree. That's fair. I've gotten so much better at Magic just because of all of the weird situations that come up in cube. Okay. Um, now... I think ahead, that uh, EDH also helps, although that's a little bit different because... Uh, especially with your own personal areas play group, mm-hmm. the decks will sort of just play against each other eventually. Right. Whereas in Cube, you'll keep ending up with different variations on all the different decks. Okay. And it definitely makes you think about Magic in a much different way.
2: Okay, that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that, that was something also uh, Ricky Hayashi mentioned to me about, you know, it, it, well, I didn't ask him this question, but we kind of had a quick discussion where he said, uh, you know, Limited made him much better... Right.
0: yeah yeah
1: but that's basically you know entwined response there i i think yeah. that limited is a, is a good route um i think that cube is probably a, a little bit better given that you know creature combat sort of emphasized. uh uh-huh. you have you have some dedicated you know if you're in, if you have like a combo oriented cube or you know a dragon cube it's really not going to be oriented toward combat but um sort of to to kind of tag onto that you know if you want to talk about playing standard deck I think this Jund deck's the perfect place to start, right? So look at the difference between... We talked about the red-white... You know, the Boros humans deck, right? That That's very linear. Mm-hmm. That its strategy is to to crap guys out on the board and then trigger their special abilities via playing token cards or having extra guys on the board, right? So you're not really learning how to do combat there. You're really learning how to sequence. You're really yeah. learning, you know, what's the best way to maximize my damage? Whereas... You know, the the Jund deck, for example, you're going to learn how to sequence because, you know, what's the difference between playing a turn two Mog Flunkies versus a turn two Flint Hoof Boar without having the mana to give it haste? You know, what's the difference between leading on a Falkenwrath Aristocrat or a Hellrider? So there's some sequencing there, but I think you're going to run into a lot of combat situations where, you know, you're running four Gore Rampager, three Dreg Mangler, Uh, so so there's a, a those are combat, basically combat tricks, right? So, Drag sure. Mangler is going to get you in situations where you can play its ability to change the combat scenario. Your right. opponent's going to make different blocks based on the the way that you unearth or or whatever that mechanics called Scavenge. on the guy. Scavenge, thanks. And <laughs> uh, Goreclaw Rampager obviously is going to help you a little bit. The card's good enough that you, it has some sort of dummy insurance, but I think <laughs> it will help you understand, you know. One of the things I think is, is learning how trample uh, works because there are some pretty cool plays where you have a guy that's giant that has trample and just kill the guy that's blocking it and do all the trample damage. You know, just just blow a removal spell on a lesser guy to, to sneak that extra damage in. So if I that's a long way of saying I think this experiment in Jundike is exactly where you want to be because it's got sort of the trickiness right uh, uh of you know playing like a, a mid range deck, but it's got all the raw power of playing a, an aggro deck
2: yeah i I think i, I was kind of afraid of that, but <laughs> which is you know we're sitting here talking about it, that's why I thought of it uh but yeah, I think I, I might might give this list a shot it uh it you know kind of looks like fun, except for the fact that it's called Jund. I might call it something else
0: <laughs> what's Jund yeah, backwards? Just call it uh, um, I know, you <laughs> call it like experiments in attacking and blocking.
1: Okay, we'll, do, we'll go with it. Joey's ahead. experiment. Joey's crazy, wild experiment yeah. with magic Mr. Wizard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a long title to put on a deck list. It is. Mr. Let's, Wizard. Um, Mr. Wizard. That would be an awesome That's name so for, like, awesome. for like a Boros Reckoner Snapcaster Mage deck. For the blue-white-red flash deck, Mr. Wizard. Oh, well, there we go. So, so, since we're on the topic of Experiment 1 and Red-Green
1: and Aggro and Gorklame Rampager, let's talk about the uh, the modern format for a minute, if you guys don't okay. mind. Sure. So, the, you know, the last few weeks we've seen, if you're on Twitter, you've seen everybody, hey, I'm X and O going into round five, or I made the top eight, or whatever. If your friends are battling in PTQs or you're driving a PTQ, you're playing Modern. And Modern is a pretty insane format right now. There is, uh, there is no end to the, the wild and crazy things that you can do in this format. And one of them being, I think it was uh, Jesse Smith designed this red-green aggro deck with Kurt Ape and, like, really old-school stuff like Molten Rain. Um, of course, playing Burning Tramissary and um, and Flint Huff War, just to play, like, a very consistent, solid red-green aggro. And let me just tell you, uh, we had 137 players at our Columbus PTQ, and I lapped the room several times, and I saw more mountains than I think I've ever seen at a tournament before. It was insane, like Patrick there was
0: Sullivan would be so
1: proud, <laughs> oh man, it was awesome, I mean, there was so much interaction I mean there wasn't like I wasn't looking at every other graveyard as you know if you remember GP uh, Indy that was modern a year and a half ago, every other t- every other deck would be like you know through the breach, emmercoal. you know uh, you just have be doing these degenerate things, and I think that I don't know if we have. Again, like Ruben said, a sort of gentleman's agreement not to play these decks, or if Steading Song just really was, I think, the sort of last bastion of combo enablers because it, it shuts down a lot more than than just Storm, a lot more. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I, I, have you have you been watching tournament results on Magic Online and PTQs and stuff? What do you think of this format?
0: I have. Um, I was actually planning on playing a PTQ this past weekend. Um, I actually have the deck in my hands. here, listen. Hear that? <laughs> that was, that's a deck that I'm shuffling. Uh, I was going to play this deck that Cranny sent me called Green Eggs, and I, I slept through the PTQ, but I was very excited to see it. There's just a ton you can do with this format, and this is just another example of, uh, of the types of weird things that you can do. This is a um, fecundity-driven sucking Sunrise deck. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. It's a ton of fun to play. Um, and I, I kind of wish I had some more input other than that, but I slept through my tournament, but, uh, yeah, you can, you can either play Jund, which is the fairest of fair strategies and just puts all the two-for-ones in a deck together, or you can, uh, put 85 enchantments on a boggle, <laughs> 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 it's the least, least interactive thing that you can be doing, um, now- and, any- and anything in between. And uh, I think that there's so, I mean, one of the, sorry, I'm going to real quickly finish this thought. Um, There there was a little while where people were like, well, there's literally only like three decks that you can play. The format's not very interesting. Uh, I hate this format. I'd rather do anything else. But now it seems like you can play, I don't know, maybe 10 different decks and have a reasonable shot of winning a tournament.
1: I mean, you definitely, I think there's just a different vibe. I, I don't, you know, I've been to a lot of modern events, you know, Grand Prixs and PTQs and, you know, even just money tournaments that we've run here in town. And the vibe is definitely different. People are very excited to be playing the format and brewing for the format. And you just don't... I just think that it's a different kind of environment when you don't have a lot of uninteractive decks. So I think that, you know, if we were looking at the top tables, we had... You no, know, I think we may have one or two eggs players in the top eight, so there's you know there's not a lot of interaction there um, but we did see a ton of the red white blue deck, Brixi's Delver was very popular, of course red red green was very popular, and other variations of that deck, including John Denaya um you know I think that that's that's great and I also you know I saw some really random stuff too, you know cards like Coalition Relic, which is very cool to see players still playing decks like Tron. I think that there's just there's enough there's enough character I think in the format now and people are kind of starting to enjoy it more that it's just a more endearing format. And and to me you guys have heard me say that a million times in a broken record, but I think really where modern is gonna be a great format is if people love the format. And I think people are starting to love the format.
0: I agree. I I'd say they're still not to the point where, you know, uh the casual player will walk into a store and say, hey, anybody have a modern deck? You want battle? No, probably not. Probably not. Whereas right? you do if you have a standard or a legacy deck still.
1: Well, legacy, and you know, it's funny. So I and, and I was at the PTQ in the capacity of being a vendor there. And uh, so I was talking with uh, Troll and Tove was there, Empire Games and ultra reality games. And I won't say who specifically I was talking about, cause I don't know if they want their opinion known, but you know, we had a long discussion about the, you know, the long term viability of formats like legacy and, and even EDH and really, you know, how important modern was as a format to kind of come in and, and fill that role. And I think, you know, even now, you know, your, your comment about having legacy be a pickup format. I think that's kind of starting to go the way of the dinosaur. I, you know, a year and a half ago, it would be a weird thing to walk into my local shop and ask, "Hey, does anybody have Legacy? Let's let's bash um, and have you know and, and have the room echo." And now, I, I would be very surprised if I could find a Legacy game in town. So it's really? it's yeah, yeah I huh. think the polarity has shifted on that a little bit.
2: It's definitely different around here. Like I I've visited like our our local play group uh, just uh, kind of shifted to a, a store that's opening up. Pretty soon, Brewport Games, uh, they, the guy that's opening it invited us all over and, uh, to play, and I brought my standard deck, and I had my legacy deck with me, and I'm like, I want to play standard, I want to play Esper, I have this deck, I haven't gotten to play much standard, because I was so focused on Gatecrash Limited for the GP, and everybody's like, hey, you want to play legacy? I'm like, alright, I'll play legacy, but I want to play standard, and like, I got to play like two standard games, and the rest of the night was just legacy, uh, Nobody. I don't think anybody in the room was playing Modern, um,
0: and there, there were about 15 or 20 people there. Uh, yeah, it's in a weird spot, Modern, right now, and so is Legacy. I mean, we're in this – and it's some, some of Wizards doing um, that they want to really push this format and, you know – there are only so many games of Magic that can be played at at any one time, and they would prefer more of them be modern and less of them be Legacy. I think is how I how I feel, and and, and some players are like, "All right, we're on board," and some players are like, "No, not really on board with this." And I, I, I still don't know which way it's going to tilt. So okay, so f- for sure, I think they're
1: geographical you know, th- there's going to be some geographies that have, you know, 200 people show up to a vintage event. So, you know, obviously, if I go to, to a Columbus shop or, or a Roanoke shop or a Silver Springs or, Joey, I don't even know what city. Are you Baltimore? Yeah. Okay. With a Baltimore shop, you know, there's obviously going to be a different, you know, set of players, a different different format, wherever you go. For, for me, I think, you know, the difference between legacy and modern isn't isn't the cards. It's about the support for the format, right? So modern's a PTQ format and it needs to discard those shackles because that's, those are the shackles that extended had extended was it's a PTQ format. And so you were only brewing for extended if you had to play PTQ and the same thing goes for block. It's like, Oh, you know, why, why would I ever test block? Because there's not block FNMs. You know, my friends aren't, you know, brewing block decks in their basement waiting to, you know, run through the, the gauntlet there. It's played in one place at the Pro Tour. So I think, you know, Legacy's the opposite, the total opposite of that. It was a format developed basically by the players and, and sort of cultivated, uh, you know, this big player base. And then Wizards said, hey, you know, these guys are playing it. Let's give them a couple Grand Prix. And And then, of course, you know, that sort of spun up the Star City circuit. And so... You know, modern, I think could take a very, very quick turn to being one of the most popular formats.
2: I would love to see that like i I think you know things are going in the right direction for sure uh,
0: but we've still, we've we've early. been on the front lines of this discussion since the beginning we are all, the three of us have been way more skeptical of modern than uh I, I would I would venture to say any other podcast personalities um and so this is this is sort of our bread and butter, this discussion, and we should have a much more in-depth discussion on it, particularly with the people who we, you know, still want to have on the program to discuss it, like uh, Marshall, for example, we still haven't gotten on the show. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely need to have a, a state of the format for Modern at some point, but at this very moment, I'm sold on Modern. I like it. Yeah, and I, in, in, I think, yeah, that's a I'm on board. I'm definitely now, on board. That wasn't true a month ago. No. It might not be true a month from now, but right now it seems very interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, um, well, I won't. I won't dig too much into it. But uh, I, I've had a few aha moments myself. And again, legacy is still my favorite constructive format. That I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mince any words there. So I'm not bashing on legacy, but. Um, there are parts of that format that I dislike far more than any parts of the format that I dislike about modern, because I truly think, and, and I don't think I could say this about many bannings throughout the history of magic, but I think that the seething song bloodbraid elf is probably the single best ban aside from emergency bands like skull clamp or memory jar that Watsi has ever done.
0: I would say that um, there were a couple of real obvious ones that were probably better, like survival no, but yeah, I don't even I think could, it's
1: as good as survival. I, I, I think, would. yeah, I think that survival could have been probably. I mean, it's obviously you know when people show up with eight different decks that play survival, that's that was the you know the real problem. It's not how you right. fight survival, but I think like this was a proactive ban. This wasn't a reactive ban. I think that you know seeding songs not like storm was just like ruining the format. It's not really as though bloodbraid elf was a right. Revival.
0: I I heard a quote from Glenn Jones that I think fits perfectly, which is, Wizards doesn't want you to be unable to play Storm. They want you to not want to play Storm. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Which I think is, I think that's fair. And, you know, it's fair as a prediction of what Wizards was thinking. I think it's fair if that's what they were thinking, then that's a completely fair thing to think, because Storm is a miserable thing to have to deal with, especially if you're a new player. Honestly, when they announced the format, I was really
1: surprised they didn't just ban Empty the Warrens, ban Grape Shot, and just be done with it. And, and just ignite make, memories. Yeah, just say we're never we're not going to allow Storm in. Like no matter how much you want to try and enable it, we're not going to let do it. Same thing with Emercool. Like I I was just really surprised to, to to see those stay in the format. But you know, I guess stranger things have happened. But I still, to,
0: want, igni- I still want ignite memories in the Moto Cube. For if we're, st- we're going to keep going with Storm in the Cube. That card should be in the Moto Cube. Yeah, I'm thought. fine with that. <laughs>
1: but to close out the modern discussion, um, I am going to stream the the Wild Deck. I'm actually a little disappointed. Um, I had like four people that were on board with playing it, and it just turned out that not everybody was able to to get to the PTQ or or play the deck. But I'm going to stream this really silly eggs deck that I that I built up with. Uh, Second Sunrise and and Fnatic and Lotus Cobra Witness and Falcunity. I'll do it like you know later this week. So uh, you yeah, it looked awesome. Picture. Yeah, but it's I really just... fun to to fishbowl, and it's obviously got some some gaps.
0: Once but, I figured uh, out what the hell was going on,
1: <laughs> that's
0: you yeah, and you and
1: everybody else.
0: I had it. I had it sleeved up, and it was like play testing with it a little bit, and like trying to gold trying to goldfish, and just like had like every once in a while I would get like a turn three you know, just completely go nuts. And then sometimes I would be like, all right, I have the perfectly sculpted turn five, except for I'm missing one piece and then die to myself.
1: It was funny. So Friday night, we're all built, you know, building decks and kind of getting everybody ready, um, you know, for the PTQ and, um, John Johnson was kind of fishbowling it. And I like, he, you know, he's fishbowling it fine, but, I would say, you no, 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 no. Let me show you, and it felt almost like showing somebody how to do a puzzle, like a puzzle box. Mm-hmm. Like here, here. Let me, they go. No, the loop goes here, and, and and then the thing goes around the thing. And <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, it, the other deck. I actually just want to comment very quickly. The the deck. It's I think it's modeled basically off of the bounce lane deck from Ravnica era standard with Summer Bloom. Um, my buddy Riley played that deck this weekend and it was super fun. Like, <laughs> it plays just some of the most wild cards I've ever seen, but it's, it's basically an Amulet of Vigor, Bounce Land, Prime. Yeah, I've seen that one. And it's just, it's just so fun. And that's the fact that that deck could be at like the Exynode table at round five or whatever. It, it, that's awesome. That's great to me. Cause, cause that, that kind of, that kind of deck could never work at a legacy table. Uh, in my in my opinion, just you know, just wasteland just doesn't allow that deck to exist. Right. So anyway, let's uh let's transition over and talk about Yokohama. I don't know. Uh Joe, you got the Yokohama um here pulled up? I do.
2: So uh the Grand Prix Yokohama did happen this weekend. That was a Grand Prix, yeah, okay. Just because Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the hashtag definitely. What was it? Was an LSV that said it looks like the hashtag G P Y O K. I think I think his, he did say that. Yeah, his, uh, GP, yeah okay. uh, it was G P yeah a, okay. It was a it was another uh, gate crash limited tournament, just like Charlotte. And like Charlotte had uh, quite a number of players show up. Two thousand two hundred ninety seven players showed up to play uh, play gate crash sealed and draft.
0: Yeah, so, so Charlotte was not a fluke.
2: No, I mean it was. Still, I don't think still anybody really.
0: It does still a- have the record. We were sweating it for a minute there, but uh, not really sweating it. We, I mean, the, the more players that show up to all events is better for everybody. Exactly. But uh, I think that, um, especially for a, a Japanese event, which, you know, is... It's tougher to get to Japan for a, for a lot more people. Mm-hmm. And so it was. Uh, it's also nice to see that that's second place, because the next time there is a major limited event in Europe... Oh my gosh. It's just going to be ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like if if yeah. Verona was were a Gate Crash, I think it's standard. So, it's not going to happen in Verona. But um if it were, it would be just be uh, ridiculous. And so, I think that um it's just obviously just great for magic. And we talked a lot about it last week and I'm glad to see that that everyone's on the same page thinking, you know, Charlotte wasn't a fluke. This is this is reality now.
2: Yeah. So the, the event uh, was taken down by Masaya Kitayama, who uh, again bested 2,296 other players uh, in uh, in Yokohama. Um, one of the things about this particular event that we kind of wanted to highlight, uh, and as as Cranny kind of mentioned in the hashtags earlier on, uh, about I guess a month or two ago, I don't know exactly when it was, but uh, we we heard. Uh, there was news out there that uh, one of the kind of bigger names, uh, Japanese names in the magic community, passed away, uh, Itaru Ishida. Um, I, still, I don't know the circumstances surrounding this. I don't think it's actually been made public, but they, uh, they did some sort of kind of tribute to Ishida in Yokohama. And um, there's an, a little article. It's called, I Still Have a Deck to Build. And you guys uh, we we will link it in the show notes. you definitely need to read this um yeah,
0: watch kind of, it watch it when you're allowed to be a little bit misty, yeah, or read it, you mean or read it, yeah, that's what I meant sorry uh but just just as
2: kind of the major highlight of it was just that uh, apparently, according to his father, his actual last words were, "I still have a deck to build,
0: yeah, which is just amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't, it's just, I don't even know how how to process that exactly, you know, when someone's final words are related to this game that we play, you know, and, uh, kind of, kind of crazy. So, uh, we, we, we're not gonna dig deep into that. We'll let you guys go ahead and, uh, read that on your own, but we will. And
0: certainly, I, I mean, we, I don't think any of us have had personal experiences with Ishida. No, um, we've even only had limited experiences with the people who most effect- who were most affected by Ishida. I've only met Kenji a couple of times. Right. Um, I've I met Shuhei a while ago. I had extended interaction with him at Charlotte because I was doing coverage on one of his matches, and he had some questions about where things were in the event hall. And you know, I don't I don't have real um, exposure to the players their old school pros to the or old school pros today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was like the err Japanese pro. And so, you know, I, I I've I've definitely ever since hearing the story about how important this guy was, um, I've been trying to do some more research and uh yeah, you should definitely go check out BDM's article that he wrote a couple months ago. Um and, and certainly go read this feature that they put in the Yokohama um uh tournament coverage it's it's pretty um it's it's punch you in the chest journalism yeah. it's
2: impactful i feel like that's the yeah, the yeah yeah the word that hits me yeah so it's
0: like yeah you know how the movie crash wasn't really happy or sad it just made you feel like something hit you with a freight train yeah that's, that's how that's how it feels
1: yeah I, I i won't be able to talk about it too much cuz it's it's pretty it is like that but anyway um yeah, it's, a, it's, it's some, some good journalism, and of course, you know, we, uh, we offer our condolences to his, uh, his family and, and uh, yeah, the players and friends that, that knew him. So, um, but it's definitely a shame to see really anybody in the community uh, pass. So um,
0: so let's transition here away from a, uh, a real sad tragedy um, to a little bit more lighthearted tragedy. Sure, I guess. I mean, it's really just a a weird situation um, that's happened recently. So uh, Magic Online Digital Objects, or Moto or MTGO, as you may know, uh, oftentimes has glitches. These glitches are fixed during their weekly update, during their weekly downtime, most of the time. Um, However, recently there have been some uh, kind of hilarious ones. The best example of which is Creeping Tarpet had a very funny glitch attached to it where you could either tap it for blue mana, tap it for black mana, or from nothing came teeth. Did you see this glitch? <laughs> what? So instead of turning into, instead of having the text that says Creeping Tarpet becomes a 3-2 unblockable creature, it had the flavor text from the card ephemeron from Exodus. <laughs> And several people screenshotted it, and it's one of the best things I've ever seen. I think I have a copy that we'll put in the show notes. Um, it's really good. Uh, another one was like red elemental blast could either it could either destroy a blue permanent or coordinated barrage could deal damage to target creature equal to the number of the creatures of the chosen type you control.
2: <laughs> wow, Do you
0: see what I'm saying? So like it's had some really funny glitches. And, uh, those, those were, those were hilarious. And people know about, like, the various, you know, like, the skeletonized glitch from... Man, I wish Stoddard was here. Stodd knows all of them. Yeah. I mean, if you know any good ones, put them in the show notes, um, and we'll, we'll just have, like, a nice little library.
1: There was, okay, Uh, so there were. I think there was an Elspeth glitch, Elspeth Night mm Errant, that caused you to win the game. Oh, Wow. Which, well, uh, That's it, what that card does. I was going to say, which isn't <laughs> unlike the actual abilities on Elspeth Night Errant, right. So, <laughs> anyway, anyway, go
0: ahead. So there was a... Uh, more recently, this past week, there was Pillar Gate. Pillar Gate refers to a glitch in which Pillar of Flame became shock. The creature was not removed from the game, if it went to the graveyard, by Pillar of Flame. Uh, it was noticed... And the Wizards of the Coast people, or the, the Magic Online people, said, unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do about it right now. Um, and we will fix it at the next update. And everyone, was, most people were like, okay, sounds good. Then some astute observers were like, yeah, but the Mox is this week. <laughs> and everyone... And everyone got together and was like, well, I'm sorry, but we can't update it. There's no emergency update that we can do. And so, for one tournament only, basically, we had a fake format where it was Gatecrash Standard, where Pillar of Flame didn't exist. It was shocking. Right? (laughs) (laughs) This was shock. Um, So, yeah. um, And... Players, many more players than were would reasonably be expected to play zombies. The deck most helped by this glitch played zombies, including one I believe that made it all the way to the finals. I'm not sure if he won. Yeah, I thought it was zombies versus zombies in the finals. That's, was I, it? I thought
2: I heard that. Oh dear. But <laughs> <So> what's <laughs> um, the fallout from this going to be? I, I quickly wanted to read the response that Worth Wolpert, who was you know way up there, he he in Magic Online, like you know the the uh, grand emperor of magic grand online. manager yeah something like that of magic online uh he he tweeted about it obviously uh this is a big topic for him um he says this is just last night um we are obviously aware of the Pillar of Flame bug as we tried to communicate to all before the MOCS MOX tournament today. There were lots of reasons we couldn't fix it before the tournament, despite our best intentions, mostly to do with the stability of upcoming builds. Uh, the fix will be shipped during the downtime on Wednesday this coming week, and my apologies for a clearly not optimal experience. The short version is, it was my call, so direct your displeasure my way if you feel the need. I had no great option and had to make the best decision for the overall health of the product and our players, Understandable if you disagree, but there you have it. And then he also quickly uh, mentioned that there are technical reasons things like rollbacks are not feasible. Uh, I also considered postponing, but decided against due to considerations for people who had adjusted.
0: Oh,
1: hey, okay. um, so. I'm just going to I'm usually like just 100 percent pro wizards. But uh, that is just the biggest load of garbage I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, I I don't do a lot of, of work in the software development world, but I've got a pretty good understanding of it, and if you don't have those contingencies like rollbacks, test environments, code changes, change control, in place to be able to stop a single solitary rules change bug from going into production for an important tournament, uh, I guess that explains why the new client is crap why all the the migrations to the new clients have been bad why there haven't been changes implemented from v2 to v3 to v4 that should have been done years ago uh, I guess it just explains all that so I guess I shouldn't be at all surprised it's just it's just completely unacceptable and I, I hate to be just a curmudgeon but if you play magic online it is a 100 percent great experience if uh, if you if it does everything that you want it to do but if it doesn't do what you want it to do it doesn't do it I mean, there's no, there's no like request, uh, request a feature. It just doesn't do it. And um, I, I think that they've got good team members. I think that with the hiring of Worth Wolpert a few years ago, and uh, of course, you know, guys like Ryan Spain joining the team, and they have some good analysts and, and some good programmers. I think they're kind of starting to realize that that MTGO is a very important intellectual property for uh, Wizards of the Coast. But this is just ridiculous and uh it, re- it reflects very poorly especially in guys that actually just know about development. It's like uh yeah i'm not buying it i'm just not buying it so i just think that's not a good enough explanation i think you need to even dig deeper explain the impact like why is it that changing one card uh isn't feasible it, you know but anyway all right, that's that's my thoughts i just yeah it's not acceptable to you not not, not acceptable
0: um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the, on the one hand, it's just like, why didn't they just delay the mocks? Right. But that's like saying, well, why don't we delay the pro tour or right. a grand prix of some kind? Right. Or just that's kind of what
2: he said. Yeah. Like he considered postponing it, but people actually, you know, yeah. People make, like, like their organize their
0: schedules around this and yeah. So it, it was, you couldn't really do that. Um, and so, and obviously as, as we had discussed earlier, uh, gentlemen's agreements don't actually exist in magic, <laughs> so we didn't, uh, didn't actually get to do that here either. It's just a real unfortunate situation, um, and it all really boils down to, like, ha- like how, how people are going to react going forward from this. Like, I don't know what the initial, well, we have the initial reaction, which is yeah, people, like, this was a thing that it, that it, it was relevant, um, but do we have people saying, hey, because of a moto glitch, I lost my round in the mocks that I otherwise wouldn't have had to lose, uh, and so I want my money back? Right. Or, you know, is anything like that going to come from this? Is, is what I think is the second shoe here that's going to drop soon, so I'd be curious to yeah, I to think, see where this goes.
2: I think it's just in, it's damage control. You know, it's like we got a flat tire and didn't have a spare. Like I don't. It's just that we we can't really do anything about the past. We can't. You know, what I mean, we I I don't know what they could have done, and of course we don't know the you know cranny. You you obviously feel like they should have contingencies in place for this sort of thing, and I you know ideally they would. They either don't or they. Well, I, I can't imagine that they do and decided not to <laughs> not to do it, but, uh, you know, I, I guess they just have to, you know, do whatever damage co- control they can, and they can't give people their time back, but I guess if, if people are ha- have some sort of actual, you know, hey, I played Four Pillar of Flame, and you can look at my game, you can look at my replay against, you know,
1: whatever, now, deck, You know, I mean, what are you going to do? So, okay, so it's Pillar of Flame, right? And yeah. and, and, and the... the- the effect or the the consequence of this bug is minimal. So in the past, they've actually had situations like the skeletonized bug. I think they specifically said, when you added cues, if you cast skeletonized, like, you'll be disqualified for the tournament. I think it, like, hung the queue or something, or I don't the, remember yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically
0: what happened with the skeletonized bug, I think, was about one-third of the time, uh, it crashed the client.
1: Right, right. So... You know what if this was instead of pillar flame you know dealing the two and not having the guy die it dealt three right you know something that's not like win the game worthy but you know that's clearly not right so you're if you're telling me that you can't program the the trigger or the replacement effect whatever the heck that you know clauses on that card then you're telling me you couldn't change the number two to the number three basically right is that is that the impact or are we talking about you know a basically just inefficient system because if we have to reprogram any part of a uh, uh, of one card, we have to reprogram an entire subset of rules or something to go along with that card so so to me, it just seems like it, it just seems like a very feel bad um situation, and I mean it sucks that they that they basically have to admit that that they don't have you know this situation under control i mean
0: yeah honestly what what happens when this happens with a card? That sees more play. You know what I mean? It's not like Pillar of Flame was the most popular card in the format. You know, it, what happens when, okay, so a similar glitch on Boros Reckoner where you can't redirect the damage to players, right? Wouldn't that be an even bigger deal? And isn't that feasible now that we've had this particular problem? Or what happens if Breeding Pool doesn't ever come into play untapped, even if you want it to? right? These are, these are glitches along the same lines of this Pillar of Flame glitch, and it's very worrisome that they can't just go in and fix it immediately, and we end up with situations like this MOX, which is a high-level, uh, high-payout tournament that was essentially a format that we'll never see again. And so, right. it's, it's a, I agree, it's a, it's a real bad situation, but uh, they got nobody to blame but themselves, and they gotta fix it. And I don't, I don't know what the fix is, um, I'm sure if they knew what the fix was, this wouldn't have been a problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I, I think that um, there have been enough complaints about Moto in the past that I don't need to rehash all of them. I will say that I do not think that the number of refunds given based on PillarGate will be zero dollars.
2: All right, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm um, obviously they want they want a, they want their product. To be a an attractive product, so I imagine that they're going to hopefully try to make things better, and they don't want something like this to happen again. And maybe it's a positive thing because they somehow decide to do something differently that allows them to make these kind of changes, uh, maybe more on the fly or something. So uh, I think we've kind of packed a lot into this episode.
0: Uh, we're about to uh, wrap up. Did you guys have anything you wanted to add?
1: Nope, that's it on my end. All
0: uh, right, I will. I will just add that a, there is a new newsening up the newsening live from Pro Tour Gate Crash. Two weeks later, Ooh. I recorded it the morning of the top eight. Um, is is what happened there? Can't wait to watch that one. Um, I've also just currently stumbled upon the origin of the name Tin Fins. You know the Legacy deck Tin Fins? Yes. Okay, so apparently it's a reference to a C Lab 2021 episode ah, okay. <laughs> entitled "Tin Fins in which there's a restaurant ser- that called Grizzlebees. <laughs> no, nah. obviously the deck is called Grizzlebrand. Plays um, Grizzlebrand, yeah. Plays Grizzlebrand, and uh, it the tagline for the restaurant is "You'll have so much fun, you wish you didn't." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nice, very nice.
0: <laughs> so, uh, going along with the tradition of naming legacy decks after weird things, I think that one's a pretty weird one. So, I just thought you guys at home might like to know that one. Yeah, the more Man,
2: you know. Fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, well, that said, uh, yeah, that's about everything for this week. This, uh, Of course, this weekend, I will be in Indianapolis <coughs> alongside Shaheen, Sarani, and Glenn Jones, and the rest of the SCG Live cu- crew bringing you guys the uh, live coverage of the Open Series. So, hope to see you all there, every single one of you, all of you. Every yeah, every last one. But if you can't make it, watch us watch us on scglive.com. dot com.
0: Um, yep, that's about it. So we're going to uh, to leave you now. But before we go, we do have social network things to attend to. You can follow Joey Pasco at Affinity for Blue. You can follow K Stube at K Stube. Shout out to K Stube. Mm-hmm. You can follow the show at In Contention. All three of those are on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page. The In Contention podcast has its own Facebook page. Um, we also now have an RSS feed uh, that we mentioned earlier in the show. We will have that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So until next week,
2: Mox we Ruby are... is
0: at M O X R. Oh yeah. I guess I guess I have to shout myself out. <laughs> Fine, Mox Ruby with a with a e in it. Clever, clever spelling. Very very clever play on words from me. There you go. So until next week, folks. We are in contention.